Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is January 7th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well, in good spirits, and high hopes, or with high hopes, whatever it is. Um, as for me, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I ate, I, that's right, I got a little bit of food corner for you. I decided to be a little piggy wiggy, and I got two medium pizzas from Domino's. I got one um, Philly cheesesteak pizza, and then I got one um, pepperoni, whatever. It was like their ultimate pepperoni. Um, both were good. I would definitely say the Philly was the best. Um, I enjoy the little sauce that they put in for it. And, um, yeah, it was very yummy, yummy in my tummy. Um, oh, also, I ate this thing that, um, a coworker made for me. It was like a, I think she said it was like a Spanish, like, kind of spaghetti or pasta. And it was pretty good. It was interesting. I gotta say, though, she served it with, like, sour cream. The sour cream part was not it for me there. Which was kind of surprising to even me. Because I'm like, man, if I had some chili in between this, slap some sour cream on, I'm good to go. I'm like, the Cincinnati in me, in me was like, that's weird that I don't like this part. But um, overall, it was still good. It had, like, meat, onions, and stuff like that. A little medley of things in it. So I picked out. And um, paying for it a little bit today. But, you know, here we are. Living life. Thriving. Um... But speaking of thriving, we can kind of get into the news. We can get to it. Um, from the Los Angeles Times, Kevin McCarthy wins House Speakership on 15th vote. Now, I did not expect this to go down last night. And also, I mean, this was, it felt weird for me. Like, it was very much a this is like, you know, 30 kind of thing for me. Uh, and I'm just feeling old, I guess, whatever. But I'm literally watching C-SPAN, like, you know, at least, you know, C-SPAN footage looking at this shit. And I'm like, man, I've never done this. And I'm doing this shit at, like, 11 o'clock because, like, they're just going long. I figured they were going to call it a day and they were going to let things roll into Monday since they weren't getting anywhere. So, you know, I brought the podcast. I see that they're still going, though. And I'm like, oh, shit, maybe they maybe things are going to happen. And, you know, you start kind of seeing some of the stuff that they were trying to say, like, yes, Kevin McCarthy does look like he has it wrapped up. But some of the problems were um, they had a couple people who weren't able to make it. They were like still like kind of um, in limbo traveling to get there. Um, they had also Matt Gates and Lauren, Lauren Boebert who refused to um, actually give a vote at that point. They said, okay, we're not going to give any more suggestions or whatever. We're just not voting though. Like we don't want Kevin. We're never Kevers. And that's the way. And I think especially with Gates, it was personal. I think there were some extra things because he had uh, been put under hot water for um, some allegations of literal like trafficking of another human being it was a 17 year old girl and um he was in hot water for that and he was trying to kind of more or less smooth it over somehow i don't fucking know how he, he seemingly beat the case i don't think he's being tried for anything like that um but anyway you know back to where we are now he had a sour taste in his mouth over mccarthy one way or another um whether it's for business or pleasure 
and it seems like Lauren Berbert, Lauren Berbert, Berber, Lauren Berbert, Lauren, Lauren Bobert is in the same camp with him. They both voted uh, present. Um, and essentially, that affects the votes in a weird way. Apparently, like, when you do that and enough people are doing it, essentially, you do, you just need less of a threshold to win. So in a way, it works in your favor, and it allows them to, like, say politically they kind of wash their hands of the situation. They didn't vote for you. Then you're not their guy. Um, but I want to say in the 14th vote, it fucked things up. Everyone's like, okay, fine, you can do that. Everything should math out okay. And then when they did all the math and they looked up and they're like, well, yeah, he doesn't get it here. And everyone was so fucking mad. Everyone just see everyone get flustered, immediately gets up out of their seat. Um, gosh, I'm trying to find the guy. I believe it was uh, Mike Rogers. Um, he's in the photo. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, here's a quote. After he won, he's like, that was easy, huh? McCarthy joked after receiving the speaker's gavel from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Another thing, they were tallying the votes, like, up against each other. So it was, like, him, it was uh, McCarthy, Jeffries, and then present, and um, others. Because you could, like, vote for another person. Um, man, I cannot find this guy's name. That's going to bum me out. Um, oh, yeah, at one point, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, tried to hand a phone to another representative, Matt Rosendale, um, saying that, like, Trump was on the phone. Um, and trying to get him to, like, you know, change his mind. Um, he declined to deal with that. Um, and then also a big deal is that um, what exactly McCarthy agreed to to get enough of the votes, to get people to turn things around. Um, essentially, it looks like anyone's going to be able, like, he's going to allow a, like, a thing to pass or at least, like, you know, a discourse to happen to say, hey, do you guys want to vote to make it so that anyone can vote me out when they want? Any one person can say, hey, I want to move to have him vote it out, and we can do that. Um, and essentially, you know, that can be potentially dangerous. It can potentially clog up things, make it even harder to really do business. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, potentially, if he even gets voted for. Um Gosh, I'm going back and forth here. I'm mad. I can't find it. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. Damn, I just missed it. It was Mike Rogers. Um, but they literally had to hold this man back. It was so fucking funny. Um, Mike Rogers, um, he is a representative from Alabama, was restrained by a colleague after approaching Gates. So, like I said, the vote came through. And they're literally like, dude, just just change your vote. We just need someone to just change their vote. One of you guys just do it. And like, Matt's kind of just being there kind of quiet and smug. And he's just like, no, and like, then he's kind of like, you see him talking and you just see <laughs> Mike Rogers just lunge at him. And I don't think he was going to hit him. I really don't think so. I think it's just one of those things where he was probably very flustered, very annoyed. And he wanted to get in his face and dude was like, you're on camera, stop. And you just, you just see C-SPAN like, what the fuck? And just span, like, just move the camera away. But they got a good picture of it. I'm glad I got it for the thumbnail. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be very simple, very easy. And it got dragged out throughout the whole week. So now, you know, we'll see if they're going to get to business and um, what's going to come from that. Um, I imagine also 
a lot of um, like not a lot, but some far right members of the party essentially got slingshot access to committees that they really don't have any business in, but it gives them power to kind of balance things out according to them. And that's what they wanted. So that was another concession that we'll probably see, you know, in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, McCarthy got his little dream wish. He's able to live his little, little finger life. Um, you know, at what cost, right? Uh, let's see what, what do we got up next though. Uh, CBS news. After foot discovered in Yellowstone hot pool, investigators find handwritten poems, photo album, and $447. Uh, a missing man whose foot was found floating in a Yellowstone hot pool had no suicide note in his car. Um, the investigators found his laptop computer, notebooks, and handwritten poems. Um, this is according to the National Park Service documents. Uh, that were released Tuesday. Uh, the man is Ilhung Roe, 70 years old, um, of Los Angeles. Um, da, 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 and how his shoe, and how his foot, still in shoe, floated away in Abyss Pool last summer um, is a mystery. <laughs> I, um, I guess I shouldn't laugh. It, it's kind of weird. But it, there's just... It, it's a very strange situation. It doesn't look like there's any foul play involved, but um, it it doesn't seem like this guy necessarily was looking to do anything like like harm to himself. Like maybe he was just traveling. I don't know. This is me immediately getting into speculation here, but um, yeah. I mean, they found him floating in the pool. They found his shoe and with the foot intact. They said they also found, like, fatty tissue, I guess, like, from the dissolving. Because that's the thing. I think of hot springs, and I think of, like, the cartoons and stuff. Or, or even when I say hot springs, hot pool, whatever. I think, like, oh, yeah, it's, like, nice, relaxing. Like, ah, oh, you get to, like, lay out, and it's, like, really steamy. And you just think uh, about that. Like, I've seen animes where they do that. But then I looked up, and I saw, I mean, which actually makes sense, is that there's a strong advisory to not touch these these hot pools like it's very active hot water we're talking scalding hot at the very least like even if it shoots up and hits you it's boiling hot it could very much hurt you maim you whatever and um essentially you know if you were in this pool like this you could die so i don't know if it was intentional he fell in whatever they think that hasn't been said but um let's see yeah, that happened though. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to cover from this. Um, yeah, floating in a hundred and forty degree Fahrenheit pool. So, ooh, and this was at in the West Thumb Geyser Basin. Uh, yeah this took place the night of july 30th i believe last year yes um anything else we want to cover here nah we can move on well i'll read the last little fact here more than 20 people have been killed by yellowstone's geothermal pools geysers mud spots steam vents and hot springs uh, according to the park's website. 
next we got from the Associated Press. Transgender Missouri inmate executed for fatal stabbing. Uh, let's see. Amber McLaughlin, McLaugh, McLaughlin? Yeah. Amber McLaughlin, 49 years old, was convicted of stalking and killing a former girlfriend, then dumping the body near the Mississippi River in St. Louis. McLaughlin's fate was sealed earlier Tuesday when Republican Governor Mike Parson declined a clemency request. Uh, McLaughlin spoke quietly with a spiritual advisor at her side as the fatal dose of pentobarbital uh, was injected. Uh, McLaughlin breathed heavy, a, heavily a couple of times, then shut her eyes. She was pronounced dead a few minutes later. Um, you know, she did apologize what she did. And she says that she was a, I'm a very, I'm a loving and caring person. Um, I do appreciate that this article and everything like that respects our pronouns. Um, and also covers her story. Um, part of her clemency, you know, petition was she, you know, talked about her traumatic childhood and mental health issues. Um, Let's see. She says there was a foster parent that rubbed feces in her face when she was a toddler and her adopted father um, used a stun gun on her um, and just talked about a lot of like mental health issues and struggles that she went through. Also talks about her diagnosis of gender dysphoria, a condition that causes anguish and other symptoms as a result of a disability between a person's gender identity and their assigned sex at birth. Um, but McLaughlin's sexual identity was not the main focus of the clemency request, um, her attorney Larry Comp said. Um, also, her transition took place, I believe, about three years ago. Um, that's when the process started. And um, let's see. There is a person, Jessica, Hink Jessica Hicklin, who spent 26 years in prison for a drug-related killing before being released uh, years ago. Um, she sued for... Um, she sued the Missouri Department of Corrections, challenging a policy that prevented hormone therapy for inmates who weren't receiving it uh, before being incarcerated. She won the lawsuit in 2018 and became a mentor to other transgender inmates. Um, like McLaughlin. Um, McLaughlin did not uh, receive hormone treatments, however. Um, but, you know, she attested to, you know, her personality, says that she was really quiet, um, but, like, opened up over time, and, like, every day she would make, like, dad jokes and things of that nature. Um, I think for me, my main takeaway here, though, and something I, I will constantly rally against is I am just really anti the death penalty. It, it always rubs me the wrong way. It never really seems equated, no matter how brutal or whatever. In this situation, I believe um, McLaughlin and her girlfriend at the time, um, they broke up and he did not take it well and, you know, started stalking her. And then uh, I think wound up abducting her and killing her. And then, um, you know, it was inevitably caught. But um, 
I mean, yes, that is a gruesome crime. I'm not saying that McLaughlin should, you know, is it a question of whether or not, you know, they should be punished, sentenced to jail for life? Okay, fine, sure. Um, but the idea of saying, well, no, we have to eye for an eye because this is a brutal crime, it just never makes sense. And then it's like, so what is it? So a one-to-one that works? Like, uh, I don't know. It just, it, it always feels weird to me, the scale. Um, you know, when we're talking mass killings. I think, I guess it gets easier because I think lizard brain behavior takes over and you're like, this person did something so evil, so egregious. Like, yeah, they don't deserve to live. But at the end of the day, I just do not like the idea of other human beings playing that level of being executioner. Um... I think especially in a world where you just never know. Um, and I, I just think morally it's wrong. I, I don't know. I, in almost every single way, down to the idea of like, it costs so much fucking money to put a person on death row and execute them. Um, so yeah, I, I will constantly use my little platform to talk about that and say that, that I think that that's wrong. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, that that is what happened. That is the news. And I wanted to cover a little bit of it. Um, there's some more details in here, too, and they, they, they talk about that. But um, I'm going to move along. Let's see the next bump we got from Reuters. U.S. college scam mastermind gets longest varsity blues probe sentence. Um, I don't like that headline, but whatever. It's fine. Thank you, Reuters. Um, the architect of the largest U.S. college admissions fraud scheme ever uncovered was sentenced on Wednesday to three and a half years in prison for helping wealthy parents secure admissions of their children to elite universities. Um, let's see. So, yeah, Rick Singer, um, he was pulling fast ones. Essentially, this was a really big scam. Um, Singer, who's 62 years old now, um, admitted to in 2019 facilitating um, cheating on college interest exams and funneling money from wealthy parents to corrupt university coaches to secure the admission of their children as fake athletic recruits. So essentially, this is like, it is a, a really big level scam but essentially, you're just doing this to, like, make sure your kid gets into a nice college with, like, nice little stats and shit. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make sure that we're going to put you on the rowing team. It's like, I've never rowed a day in my life. Like, I don't even, there's not a body of water where I live. Don't worry about that, okay? We're just making sure that you get into Stanford, all right? We're going to make sure you get into this nice college. i gotten in for you. And essentially, he was using his connections and bribing these, like, coaches and things of that nature um, to make things happen. And, I mean, he was also able to rope up to, let's see, 50 people were convicted, including actors Lori McLaughlin and uh, Felicity Huffman, uh, two of the many wealthy parents Singer counted as clients. So, essentially, these people are like, i got to make sure my kid gets into this really good school. And And you even heard some, there was one situation where, like, the kid didn't even know that their parent was doing this. And they're like, I would have liked to have gotten into the school my own way. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was actually capable of doing it. But it was almost like my parent didn't trust the process, didn't trust me. Um, And then not to mention, speaking of the process, this thing that Singer is doing, because in a way, you know me, when I hear a good scam, a good fraud, a good grift, I go, wow, like, yeah, they really fucked the system up there. And and, and that kind of can catch me flat-footed. 
But I forget that, like, this process was aimed to make sure that people really get a chance. Like, these scholarships, these, um, you know, these special case admissions, things of that nature, these are meant for people to find a way, you know, either, you know, you're overcoming adversity and or you just earned it, like the quote-unquote meritocracy shit. Like, you're supposed to have a clean way to get there. But what Singer is doing is completely warping the process to make sure that his little picks for his little, you know, service group that he's doing, he makes sure that they get in where they want to get in. And that's not right. That's not fair. Um, not to mention he made, he made, he netted, I believe, 15,000, no, wow, I'm dumb, $15 million for this shit, okay? Um, and also part of the reason he's only getting like three and a half as opposed to like six is he quote unquote did cooperate and he's also going to be paying $19 million um, to like, you know, in, in terms of like fine penalties, whatever. And then also penalties for not paying taxes on the money he accumulated here, his ill-gotten gains. So, um, but let's see, Singer took more than $25 million from his clients um, while running a California-based uh, college admissions counseling service called The Key and related charity and kept 15 million for his own benefit according to prosecutors um now seven million was used to kind of juice coaches and administrators to kind of say hey i got this guy can we get sure that we can get him on the oaring team or can we get him on this or that or the third and they're like yeah we'll we'll make it work we'll get him on the team but like like i said you're, you're essentially putting this person on a team or what have you. But once again, that's a spot that's supposed to be going to a real player, a real person. Like, in the end of the day, this, this person did not, like, maybe some of these people could play ball or do something. But a lot of these kids were just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to go to college. <laughs> I'm just trying to vibe. <laughs> He's like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> um. So, yeah, in that regard, it's very fucked up. I, I do feel like the sentence is very fitting. Also, when I say he helped, he did help in terms of, like, he's the reason, like, a lot of these big names got caught up and, you know, were, um, you know, able to face a trial, things of that nature. But he also, like, tipped people off as well. So that was kind of, like, you know, definitely a, you know, that wasn't cool. (laughs) You're not exactly helping the process here when you're, you know, facilitating people that we're trying to catch. Um. So yeah, three and a half years in prison. I imagine he's probably gonna get out earlier for good behavior. He's sixty-two years old. I don't know. Gertrude's gonna grift. I, I don't think he's gonna be back at it again, especially with the fine that he has to deal with for probably the rest of his life. Don't think he's gonna be making any major mogul moves or anything like that. Um, let's see. And then we got one more to go. Um, let me go ahead and indulge myself. Take a little break. Worked hard. back we're back we're back um i got an update here uh, from abc news one second one second sorry idaho murders roommate kill roommate saw killer in mask leaving the house doc say um 
let's see, we're going to be reading a little bit here. Um, a roommate who survived the quadruple murders at the University of Idaho told police she saw a man in black clothes and a black, and a, sorry, and a mask walking past her house, walking past her, in, walking past her in her house on the night of the killings. And she stood frozen and in shock, according to newly released court documents. Now, these documents I'm talking about, they're finally released because uh, Brian Koberger essentially said, okay, I'm willing to not fight the extradition. You can take me to Idaho. Um, he's pleading, you know, not guilty. Um, he has a court-appointed attorney. He's not representing himself. But um, now that he's back in Idaho, they can release these things. And um, so let's, let's read a little bit more here. The roommate said she didn't recognize the man who walked toward the back sliding glass door at her off-campus home in Moscow, Idaho, according to documents released on Thursday. She locked herself in a room after seeing him, um, the document said. Let's see. Other chilling, do- other chilling details revealed in the court documents include that the suspect's phone was near the victim's house at least 12 times before the murders, at least as far back as August, but his phone was off when the murders unfolded, which this is where I wanted to, I want to read and I want to like, kind of like unpack some of this shit. Um, And I really do want to try just to stick to the article. Um, Once again, I cannot stress enough. There's so much floating around here. If you're going on the internet, you're going on Twitter, you're going on TikTok, like everyone is doing like their true detective to the max. And, and this is just like the, the norm. It's not new. But um, I, I mean, for me, I do want to try to stick to the, um, the lamestream media just because they always have something to lose here. So they're more or less going to give you the 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 most concrete you know so i I really like to stick to that i mean of course i i would always love to kind of like do more discourse if there's any newsies or people out there who want to like break it down or throw me your theories or whatever but i do like just like for the podcast like try to stick to these kind of things but um so but now we're gonna talk about my speculation though because i'm I'm, i just can't help myself i'm not just gonna do it too um this is a guy who has been studying murder he's been doing his true crime shit um he's also you see in this article as well you know going on reddit and i mean this stuff is not necessarily uncommon you know there are people who are going to um sorry there are people who are going to be you know fascinated by true crime and they're going to be interested and curious about it they're going to be people who study it because it's their job like at the end of the day this guy got degrees to do this kind of shit at the end of the day, right? But um, he goes on Reddit and asks, like, you know, poignant questions about, you know, murder and things of that nature and thoughts on it. If I can find it in this article, I'll try to get it. Hopefully I don't get in the weeds. But, um, you know, it's 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 plain to see that this is the type of guy who's trying to do it. You know, if, if this is the guy, which... I really do feel like it lines up. I mean, obviously, there's allegedly, allegedly throughout all this. But, like, it seems that he thought he was really fucking smart. <laughs> he thought that he was really going to pull off a good one here. And um, trying to turn off your phone on the night so that you're not going to be tracked, even though there's so many ways to track you. Um, not to mention, they were pulled over. 
um, two times, I believe. Um, and and that's also have people up in arms because it's like, I can't believe the cops like bungled this. Like, you knew about this white Elantra and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, they have been investigating. I think a lot of the details that have come out in this report really show that. Um, let's read a little bit more, though. Uh, two roommates who police said are not suspects survived the attack in the early hours of November 13th. Also, I believe this took place. They have the times like it took place around like 4 a.m. Um, later that morning, the roommates called friends over to their house because they thought one of the victims on the second floor had passed out and wasn't waking up, police said. Around noon, a 911 call from one of the roommate's phones requested help for an unconscious person, police said. Um, responders found University of Idaho students Zania Kernodal, Kylie Conclaves, Madison Mogan, and Ethan Chapman all stabbed to death. Um, the mysterious slayings were, went unsolved for weeks. We already know that. Um... Let's see. DNA from the suspect was recovered on a tan leather knife sheath left on Mogan's bed, according to documents. On December twenty on December twenty seventh, police recovered trash from Coburger's parents' house in Pennsylvania, and a lab la then later determined that the DNA from this trash uh, was the father of the person who left DNA on the knife sheath. So, I mean, these are all clues. They're, they're, they're really showing this shit here, that, that this is available, and I know that this shit is going to come out in the trial. Um, a shoe print believed to be from the intruder was found outside uh, one of the survivor's rooms. Ooh, that's creepy. Um, police believe the murders unfolded between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m., according to court documents. Konodo got a DoorDash order at the house at about 4 a.m., um, one of the surviving roommates uh, said she woke up around 4 a.m. from what sounded like conclaves, sorry, I keep fucking up names, uh, playing with her dog in one of the third floor bedrooms, according to the affidavit. A uh, short time after, the roommate said she heard who she thought was conclaves, or conclaves, say something to the effect of, there's someone here, but that... But that could have been Carnoto on her phone because records show she was on TikTok at around 4.12 a.m., which is crazy that they have all this shit down to, a, like, a detail. Uh, the roommate said she locked, she looked out of her bedroom but did not see anything when she heard the comment about someone being in the house. She opened her door a second time when she um, heard what she thought was crying coming from Carnoto's room. Uh, the roommate, then she said she heard a male voice saying something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Um, which I think <clears throat> is supposed to be, uh, Kohlberger. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure there, but I think that's the voice she is thinking she heard. Um, the roommate said she opened her door again when she heard crying and that's when she saw a figure in the mask. She described the intruder as five foot uh, ten or taller, not very muscular, 
but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. And it is said, I've also heard this from other accounts, um, that Kohlberger has bushy eyebrows. I mean, you can see in the pictures, decide for yourself. Um, at about 4.17 a.m., a security camera less than 50 feet from Carnotal's room picked up sounds of a barking dog and distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper followed by a loud thud. Um, and they go on to talk about the white Elantra, um, surveillance video from the area saw suspects, the suspects white Honda Elantra go by the victim's house three times. Um, also it's very odd. And I, I think that's why I kind of can't help but talk about it here. But, <clears throat> you know, we talked about the parents earlier. He was on a, a father son trip with his dad. And I don't get how you do that, how you do this, you do these murders, and you have your dad riding shotgun? Like, and also, it, it go, we're going to jump a little bit ahead here, but speaking with the car, um, you know, this spot in the area, he then goes on to change out his tags because they were set to expire um, on the 30th. But his um, car, he more or less gets it um, registered in Washington on November 18th. It was previously registered in Pennsylvania. So it's almost like he planned that. So it's like, oh, I'm going to like pull a little switcheroo. So like, yeah, there's plenty of white Elantras. You won't know it's mine because this is a different license plate or whatever. And it's like, no, dude. Like, um, Also, I guess I can't help it once again. It is alleged, too, that he's been, like, he tried to, like, wear gloves and stuff while he was, like, doing collection or, or you know, acquiring of, like, the, all this shit. But it's like, dude, you left DNA, like, at the crime scene. So it's like it doesn't matter whether or not you're wearing gloves when you're picking up all your, your tools and all this stuff. Anyway, you slipped up at the crime scene, you idiot. Um, but, yeah, that's outside information, not necessarily from here. But, um, so, you know, allegedly. Um, let's see, but like I said, they've tracked his phone. It's also mentioned. Um, oh yeah, here we go. More, more on Brian Koberger though. Police said that they learned Koberger applied for an internship with the Pullman police in the fall of 2022. In an essay, he said he wanted to help rural law enforcement agency with how to better collect and analyze technological data and public safety operations. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Kohlberger also posted a Reddit survey which asked for participants to provide information to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision making when committing a crime. These could all be taken as like a student doing student things. Um, that's why these things are available to do. That's why these anonymous like surveys are there at Reddit. Um, but it's just it, these add up in weird ways. You're gonna look at it and go, hmm. Hmm, I don't know. Um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Is there anything else I wanted to cover before I let you guys go? Um, no, I think that's it. I think we, we, we're we're definitely gonna come back to this. Um, you know, this is just um the start. Uh, I, I was surprised that he didn't fight the extradition. 
But, um, you know, I think it's just going to move closer to the trial. And I, I'm sure this guy kind of has a confidence that he's not going to lose, that um, he's going to beat this rap somehow. Um, but we'll see. Um, I, I, and I don't know how extensive we're going to be with the trial. We'll see how it kind of folds out. But I definitely wanted to get this update in there. Um, but, yeah, that's the episode. Um, if you'd like to, you know, up your membership, become a newsy today. Uh, Patreon.com says Isaiah News. It gets you bonus episodes. It gets you Discord access. It gets you um, shoutouts on the podcast and places to plug your stuff. Um, so yeah, for five dollars monthly, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, we're always trying to. I'm always trying to work on you know the extra bonus episodes and stuff like that. You know, usually it's nothing too jazzy. It's actually more relaxed fit, but you know, cover maybe a little bit more risque topics, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, uh, that's about it. If there's other free ways you want to hit me up though, gmail.com plus Xandu's one. And, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on all that. Um, you can find me and, um, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye. Bye.